Welcome to Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon podcast class. This is class number eight, where we continue to look at the war chapters. In this class, we look at the two mistakes that the Nephites made that opened the front door to the Lamanites. And once you lose a fortified city, you will pay dearly to win it back. We are making the same two mistakes in our society today. Let's learn from the Book of Mormon. Let's learn from the Nephites and not forget who the real enemy is. Let's not make the same two mistakes that the Nephites made during the great war with the Lamanites. We are taking a look at the war chapters. Why in the world are there war chapters in the Book of Mormon? Why would Mormon include so many of them? What's the point? What's the modern application of the war chapters? Well, we saw last time that the war chapters begin when a man among the Nephites wants to be king, isn't chosen, gets angry, gathers his forces, and fights against the very people who didn't choose him as their king. Does that sound familiar? Can you think of someone else who wanted to be in charge, wanted to be king, wasn't chosen, got angry, gathered his forces, and now fights against the very people who didn't choose him as king. Do you see the pattern? So the war chapters are a pattern of a war that began in pre-mortal life. Now, no dispensation has won that war. Every dispensation has fallen into apostasy. We can't. We have to prepare the world for the Savior's coming. If this people starts to fall into apostasy, the Lord will pick someone else. We cannot fall into apostasy. And so we have to win the war. So why the Book of Mormon would spend so much time on war chapters is because we must win this war. And the war against Amalekiah is a pattern of the war against Lucifer. So last time, sorry, Charlie, this is just focused on the back of your head, and I don't think you want that. <laughs> Last time, our, what we studied was Amalekiah as a pattern of Lucifer. You have to understand how he works, how he gets into our heart, how he conquers the land he conquers. You have to understand that lesson and then not let him win. So that was what we did last time. Today, we're going to take a look at the very first battle. So turn with, so that was Alma 47. We'll do Alma chapter 48 another day when we talk about Moroni. Let's jump to Alma chapter 49. The first battle. Now, we started last week to talk about the city of Noah, right? Where do the Lamanites attack first? Great lesson here. Tell me where the Lamanites attack first. Before they go to Noah, Noah was not their first choice. What was their first choice? Ammoniah. Does that ring a bell? Where the, they burned the women and the children, Alma and Amulek walked. The, the Lamanites came in and conquered Ammoniah. They destroyed Ammoniah. So where do they go first? Where they've had success in the past. We need to understand, Satan is going to go back to the same place he's had success in the past. So where do they go after Ammoniah? They go to Noah. Why do they go to Noah? That was last week's class, right? Towards the end. Why did they go to Noah? Because it hitherto had been what? What had it hitherto been? The weakest city. 
So where is Satan going to attack? Your weakness. If you're going to win the war against Satan, you're going to have to acknowledge that you have a weakness. You all do. We all have a weakness. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And then he says, I give unto men weakness. Your weakness is a gift. You have a weakness. You don't remember what it was because you've come through a veil. Lucifer remembers what it is, and he's coming after it. So that was our topic last week. But what happens, because Moroni is fortifying Noah, what happens to Noah? There's a slaughter. When they finally attack, let's read how they attack. I'm going to do this version. I cleared that one out, so let me use this one. All right, Alma chapter 49. They come to Noah, verse 14, because it had hitherto been a weak place, but because of Moroni, it had become strong. Now, when they start attacking, I need to read verse 23. 23, they, thus the Nephites had all power over their enemies. Thus the Nephites had all power over the, their enemies. This war should not have lasted more than a day. The Nephites had all power over their enemies. You have all power over your enemy. The only way Satan wins is how? If we open the front door. It's that simple. You have all power over Lucifer. They had all power over their enemies. When they start coming in, when the Lamanites start attacking, tell me what happens. Let's start in verse 18. The Lamanites could not get into their forts of security, but by any other way, save it was by the entrance. But what were the Nephites doing? Verse 19, the Nephites were prepared to destroy all such as should attempt to climb up to enter the fort by any other way. Verse 20, thus they were prepared, yea, a body of their strongest men with their swords and their slings to smite down all should attempt to come in by their places of security or by their places of entrance. So then they start climbing up the walls of the outside. No, well, let's go to verse 21. End of verse 21, there was what? An immense slaughter. Then they start climbing up the outside walls. Well, the, layman, the Nephites were prepared for them. End of verse 22, instead of the ditches that the Nephites had dug, D dug, filling up with anything else. They were being filled up with dead and wounded bodies. Now, verse 23, what was the body count? What was the body count at this first battle? Lamanites, a thousand. Nephites, zero. That's what Moroni's preparation had done. Being willing to strengthen up your weak spots. The body count was a thousand Lamanites to zero Nephites. Now, total commentary, another day. But the Lamanite, army, the Lamanite commanders just kept sending their army in, knowing that they were being slaughtered. Why would you want to fight on a team where the captains don't care one thing about you? 
The captain of the Lamanites are sending bodies to their destruction. And the captain of the Nephites is standing out in front of them. Which team do you want to play for? Total side note. But the body count is a thousand to zero. And Noah is what city? What's Noah? The weakest. So the weakest Nephite city. And the body count was a thousand Lamanites to zero. Where on earth are the Lamanites going to go to have any success at all? They attacked the weakest city and the body count was a thousand to zero. So where are they going to have any success? And we back to this 23, the Nephites had all power over their enemies. Do you understand what I'm saying? We should be completely victorious over any of Satan's forces. The body count and our weakest city is going to be a thousand to zero. Until we let them in. The story of this war, Mormon saw it, Mormon could see, is the story of the Latter-day Saints. Every time Satan conquers a person, a, a family, a ward, a state, it's because they made the same two mistakes the Nephites are about to make. The Nephites open the front door. So, chapter 50 is mistake number one. Chapter 51 is mistake number two. Do you see the brilliance of the Book of Mormon? Could not have been put together any more brilliantly. Chapter 49, we see that this war should have been over because they attacked the weakest city and the body count is a thousand to zero. And then chapter 50. Now, what's the story? How do the Lamanites open the front door? Let me use my own family as an example, okay? Here is the Dunford family. And there's the front door. And here's every force on earth trying to destroy that family. Here is Lucifer and all of his hosts. And they can't get in. I have, our family has all power over Lucifer. Until we forget who the enemy is. And this is me. And this is her. And sometimes we think the enemy is where? We think the enemy is here. And while we think the enemy is here, where's the real enemy? Down there, waiting for the door to go wide open. Do you see the story? Do you see what Mormon saw? Do you see he's writing the story saying, oh my goodness, you Latter-day Saints, you're doing the same thing. You have forgotten who the real enemy is. And you are turning on each other. Let's watch it. Ready? Let's play it out. Okay, so chapter 50, verse 6. Moroni continues to prepare strongholds against the coming of their enemies round about every city until the Nephites are stupid. And it all starts in verse 17, right? It all starts with what concept? Prosperity. 
In these prosperous circumstances, verse 18, they did prosper exceedingly. They became exceedingly rich. Now, before Mormon even tells the story, he stands up and blows a horn, says, are you listening, Latter-day Saints? Are you paying attention to the mistake we made? Because you're going to make the same mistake. You have all power over your enemies until when? Who wants to read 21? Alma 50, 21. Mormon's commentary to us if we're listening. What's the commentary? Who wants to read it? Ivy, do you mind? Alma 50, 21. Quarrelings and their contentions, yea, their murderings and their plunderings, their their idolatries, their whoredoms and their abominations, which are among themselves, which brought upon them their wars and their destruction. Now, if you were to emphasize any part of that verse, what part would you emphasize? That's one of a many lists, but I would emphasize where were those problems? Let me read it again. It has been their quarrelings, their contentions, their murderings, their plunderings, their idolatry, their whoredoms, and their abominations, which were among themselves, which brought upon them their wars and their destructions. We forget who the enemy is. True or false, there are very real, powerful entities on this earth trying to destroy the family. There are very real, powerful entities trying to destroy the family. And we forget that, and we think that the enemy is where? Here. And as soon as I take my eye, my eye off the real enemy, and I think that she's my enemy, what do I do? I open the front door and the real enemy comes in. Now watch it. Ready? The brilliance of the Book of Mormon is Mormon is waving his arm saying, are you paying attention to this? Because it starts in verse 23. There never was a happier time among the people of Nephi since the days of Nephi than in the days of Moroni. There was peace when Moroni led them. And then verse 25, it all starts. Here's the turn. Give me the word. Give me the word. What's the trigger point that starts the problem? It's not contention yet. It's what? Oh, sorry. 26 is the word. Sorry. 26 is the word. The 26. What's the word here? A warm contention. It starts with a warm contention between them. There would have been peace among the people of Nephi had it not been for a contention which took place among them concerning the land of Lehi and the land of Morianton. So there's the problem. The land of Lehi and the land of Morianton. Now, there was a warm contention insomuch that the people of Morianton took up arms against their brethren. Okay, there's a real enemy down there thirsting for your blood and you're taking up arms against your brethren. Idiots. This is not the enemy. 
This is the enemy. And you're fighting here. So what happened is, they, they list it, right? Um, those who possessed the land of Morianta did claim a part of the land of Lehi. So there's a little border dispute. Now, how insignificant is that little piece of land in the big scheme of things? Nothing that we argue about is as significant as what this enemy wants to do to our family. But we get caught up in the little slivers of land. And I forget who the enemy is. And as soon as I look away from the real enemy and look at this enemy, it opens a door. That's what ruins this whole war. It starts right there. It starts with a fight over a little teeny piece of land. Now, because of the fight over that land, what do they lose? Guess what they lose? The whole city of Lehi and the whole city of Morianton. They lost both cities. And where did it start? This little teeny piece of land. Do you see how dumb that is? And yet, do you see this playing out in marriages, in families, and in communities? Right now, we're fighting over what books are in the libraries. We're fighting over books in the libraries. And this group is angry that this book is in the library, and this book is angry that this book is... And why aren't you taking that book out? Well, why are you... And it's like, do you understand that that's an important battle, but there's a much more important battle going on? And we're fighting amongst ourselves. What's happening in this country? This country has real enemies, doesn't it? There are people wanting to destroy this country. And yet, what are, the, what do, what are we doing in the country? We're fighting against each other. If you were to ask an, a staunch Democrat who the enemy of America is, what would they say? What would a staunch Democrat say the enemy of America is? Al-Qaeda. No, what would they say? The Republicans. And if you ask a staunch Republican who is the enemy of America, what would they say? The Democrats. We're, we got distracted over what? A little teeny piece of land. What are we arguing over? A little teeny piece of land. And what might we lose because we're arguing over that little piece of land? Both cities. If the Book of Mormon isn't shouting loud and clear that there's a problem here, you're missing the Book of Mormon. It started over a, little, a warm contention over a little piece of land. And then they take up arms. And now they're fighting. And what does Moroni have to do? He has to stop fighting the Lamanites and he has to put down this fight. Now, luckily, he does it. But this weakens us. 
so that when we mistake, make mistake number two, this is where we're vulnerable. Turn to chapter 51. When the Lamanites go on taking cities, what is city number two and city number three that they conquer? Actually, I think it's, I think it's three and four. Is it three and four? Verse 26. I think the first city they take is Moroni. And then there's another one. But go to verse 26. So they take Moroni first, and then verse 26, they take Nephiah. And then what's the third city they conquer? Lehi and the fourth city, Morianton. Weakened by what? Weakened by mistake number one. So because of that silly piece of land, what do we end up losing? Now, we'll say this again at the end, but let me say it now. This was what? This was a fortified city, right? This was a massive fortified city with walls all around it. And we opened up the front door and let the enemy in. Now, once the enemy controls this city, how hard is it going to be to get it back? Once you lose a walled city, you will pay dearly to get it back. And far too many of you know exactly the price we're going to pay to get it back. If you forget who the enemy is and start fighting amongst yourselves over silly little things and open the door to the real enemy, we will pay dearly to win that city back, won't we? It is much better to have what? Not Never have lost it in the first. It is much easier to have not lost the city than to gain it back. And we see that with marriages, don't we? It is easier to have not lost the battle than to win the city back once it's gone. Okay, thoughts on mistake number one? Commentary? Gwen? Okay, I don't know if this like relates at all, but like I kind of think of like, you know the President Nelson's talk, like Think Celestial? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it has anything to do this with it, uh, with this, but it kind of just like reminded me of this talk. Yep. Fix the relationship first before it crumbles apart. I mean, in what world is my eternal companion my enemy? But the moment I begin to think she's my enemy, what happens to my real enemy? Right? And? So, powerful lesson. That's very different. Please don't be. Please don't let it be a quote from me. That is me quoting Ezra Taft Benson. That is Ezra Taft Benson. It is better to prepare and prevent than to repair and repent. 
All right, painful lesson, but do you see what Mormon saw? Was he right? Did you, do you see it? It's the tendency to fight amongst ourselves that opens the door to the enemy. What destroys businesses more than anything else? Not without, but within. What destroys families? Not without as much as within. Okay, so can I draw that? Mistake number one. Mistake number one is, you know what I mean by that? That's mistake number one. All right, mistake number two, also prevalent in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Chapter 51, I'll give you a minute to digest the chapter. Digest the chapter. What's the mistake? Pride. Certainly pride, but we got to put a name on this one. This is, who can summarize the story? The king men. What's the contention? Let's read it. Now it came to pass in the commandments of the 20 and 5th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, they having established peace. So they, they fixed this. Even though it weakened them, they fixed it. Having established peace between the people of Lehi and the people of Morianton concerning their lands, having commenced the 20 and 5th year in peace. Nevertheless, they did not long maintain an entire peace of the land, for there began to be contention among the people concerning the leaders of the church. Contention with the leadership of the church. So instead of, so this is this, is this contention. What's the next one? This contention. Our leaders are failing us. Joseph Smith did all this. The leader of the president of the church is doing this. That darn Dallin H. Oaks. I hear his name in apostate circles all the time. And yet, is Dallin H. Oaks the enemy? Is Joseph Smith the enemy? Is Russell Nelson the enemy? But the moment I begin to have issues with the leaders of the church, what do I, what begins to happen? I open the door. I open the door to the real enemy. They didn't like, what did, what is it that they didn't like about Pehorin? Tell me what they didn't like. I just wish the church would change their position on this. I just wish that we would alter a few particular points of the law. Why are you smiling, Shelby? Tell me why you're smiling. Because that's just what everyone says these days. That's exactly what's happening. Oh my goodness, Mormon saw it. Mormon saw it thousands of years ago, and he put it right there on the gold plates. It's people who want to 
alter a few particular points of the law. And Pehorn says what? I don't want to alter the law. Therefore, they are. Why are you smiling, Liam? Tell me what's going on in your head. <laughs> They're angry because he won't change it. And what does it say? They don't want him to be chief judge anymore. And there arose a warm dispute concerning the matter. Now you tell me how a 23-year-old wrote this in 1828. You tell me where this book came from. It's dead on with what's happening today. Contention among ourselves, forgetting the real enemy, and contention with our leaders. I want the law, I want the law altered. No, nope, we're not gonna, I'm angry. I don't want you to be the leader anymore. And there's a contention. Now listen to what Mormon wrote. Verse 9. Who wants to read it? Emma in the back, nice big booming voice. Do you mind? Verse 9. Emma or Alma chapter 40, 51, verse 9. How do you read that, Emma? What do you read him say? What is Mormon saying to you today? This is stupid. This is a horrible time for you to be bickering about the leadership of the church and what you wish they would change because there is a very real enemy trying to destroy you. And one of the biggest tools in not letting them destroy you is the leadership of the church and their counsel. Liam. I don't know if this was you or a general authority. <laughs> no, please, please don't be quoting me. But uh, it was talking, I think um, it was something about how like, like the prophet is like the, like the walking in the towers and they're like, we'll see the enemies. And if you're not, and if you don't like the leaders of the prophet or anything, you're not going to listen to them talk, like giving out warnings and stuff. Then like, it's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. In fact, notice what happens. The reaction, the reaction to, I don't want Pehoran to be the, because he won't change and he won't change the things that I want changed. I'm angry. What do they do? Why are you nodding? I won't take up the sword. I won't fight against the real enemy. And children are going to be slaughtered because of it. My children are going to be slaughtered because I won't take up arms anymore. I won't go to church at all because I'm angry at the prophet. I won't go to church at all. I won't take up arms. I'm done. And that's exactly what's happening, isn't it? 
And they're just running past them into the city because we're now not defended. And now we will pay dearly to win back our fortified cities because who possesses them? The enemy. And we will pay dearly because of a silly little piece of land and one little part of the law that I thought should be changed. And now we've lost our cities. Now, you ready for Mormon summary? This man was brilliant beyond compare and summarized our problem into two words. Verse 16. Brilliant, right? Absolutely brilliant. For it was his first care to put an end to, what's problem number one? Contention. What's problem number two? Dissension. Contention and dissension. Now, tell me what it says about contention and dissension. Right there in the middle of verse 16, what does it say about contention and dissension? It has been the cause of all their destruction. Are we smart enough to learn from a book that was written a long time ago? Lee, I, Lee, Liam's back there just shaking his head, right? <laughs> you thought the book was true before, and now you're like, Mormon, how did you? Every time I just get to know more about it. Like, I'm only Mosiah, and every time I'm like, just like, oh man, like, there's no way somebody could just made this up in like three months and had like a third grade education. That's it. Contentions and dissensions, those are the two mistakes. They are the same mistakes we're making today. Contention among ourselves and dissension. My family is not my enemy. And the leaders of this church are not the enemy. They're trying their best. Do they make mistakes? Let's admit, do the leaders of the church make mistakes? Of course they do. Do I? Who makes more, them or me? (laughs) Don't answer that. But we have this idea that leaders of the church are perfect and they don't make any mistakes. And that's not true. They're trying their best. And they're making some mistakes, but they're not my enemy, are they? And the moment I begin to assume that they're my enemy, I open the door to my real enemy. My wife is very quick to point out when a child kind of loses their temper at mom, You know, something's happening and they're frustrated and they take their frustration out on mom. My wife is very quick to say, I'm not the enemy here. I am not your enemy. No one loves you more than I do. I am not your enemy. And that's just been such an interesting concept to watch in our family. Don't think mom is the enemy because there is a real enemy and it's not mom. Okay, we only have 10 minutes. I don't think we can do the next one. Should we end there? 
I leave you my testimony of the brilliance of this book that Mormons saw profoundly the mistakes we keep making. We make them in every facet. Let's not make them. Let's not assume the wrong enemy. Now, when you get a husband and a wife close together, they bump into each other, don't they? The closer we get to each other, the more we bump into each other. And it's going to take some patience and some understanding to remember that this is not the enemy. This is not the enemy. There is an enemy. And let's not get contending with each other and open the door for the real enemy. And let's not descend. The Lord has leaders of the church, and as imperfect as they are, they're doing their best. And we don't need to alter the law. The Lord gets to alter the law. I don't get to alter the law. What, what's the name on the side of the church? I, I forget. Sometimes we all forget whose name is on the side of the church. It's not mine. I don't get to alter the law. He alters the law. I bear you my testimony that there is an enemy to your soul who would love to destroy you. Don't forget who it is and think someone else is the enemy and open the door to the real enemy because once you lose your fortified cities, you will pay dearly to win them back. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon podcast class. This has been class number eight, where we continue our discussion of the war chapters. What have you seen in our society of those two mistakes, contention and dissension? What impact are they making in our families, in the church, and in our society? Would you discuss with a friend what you think the antidote is? How can we individually and as families and as church members avoid those two mistakes of contention and dissension? Thank you.